appreciate our worship team doing that. Just amazing. One of my new favorite songs right there that I've been enjoying. Just great stuff. And we are excited about Grace. Appreciate everybody up here in all different places of our church making church happen every Sunday. We're just excited about all that. I wanted to get back to you on a couple of things right before I start my message. And that is... Uh, first of all, last couple of weeks, and this is a little business, so if you don't normally go here, just tune this out, just be a minute or two. Uh, we've had, the last couple of weeks, we had some brochures out that were showing kind of our ministry report of what it ha has happened over the last 12 months, and then also in that was a place that you could uh, vote, you know, on our budget, because we're accountable on how we do money, and, and so that was there. And I just want to report back to you after doing that last few weeks that we got a 100% affirmative vote on that. So that's great. Yeah, you can applaud for that. Actually, we have a Barb and Jerry Miller are back there like on the second row of the back section. And back when they were here, back in the days, we never got 100% votes. So I'm starting to wonder, hold it, what's going on? You guys are gone. We get, no, no, actually, I, I think that's the first time that's ever happened. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but so that's great. And uh, so thank you for that. Also, one more thing along those lines, is that a lot of people have been asking about our capital campaign, EO3, and I just want to give you an update. This update, we haven't really talked about it for almost a year now, and so just want to tell you that we've been doing all the plans. Next month, we should be starting on remodeling the mezzanine around the old gym, and that'll look more like the mezzanine around the new gym when that gets done. And then also, after that's completed, it'll be right after Easter that we'll start construction on the, the play area, which is like a sunken ship, kind of with the under the sea uh, theme. And notice the guy, you know, that's how big this will be. There's a, there's a uh, six foot guy there standing there to kind of give you a perspective on what's going on. So that's the things coming up next week. Just wanted to get back with you on that, uh, just to make sure, hey, you know that we're still, still working all that. And of course, people would ask, why would you do that? Why would you remodel? Why would you make this happen? Why, why, why? And, and of course, the answer is because we're, want to, we, we're trying to more effectively reach families in our area for Christ. And so whatever it takes, we do a lot of things, and that's just one of the strategies that we have is to improve our facilities, to make it more attractive to young families, that they will come in, and then we get to share Jesus with them. So thank you for your faithfulness, making all that happen. But then the next thing people might say is, well, well, why are you doing that? Well, because God told us to tell people about Jesus. So we're just figuring out different ways that we can do that and different ways we can be effective in making that happen. And so this is a key time of year for us because... Christmas is coming up. Typically, you know, for Christmas, we have four to 5,000 people here at Grace for our Christmas service uh, that we do multiple times. And so we want that to happen again. And uh, we need your help, you know, by in inviting people. Basically, this is what Jesus told us to do, is to share the gospel with other people. Jesus, we're starting this Christmas series, we're starting next week, is the light has come. Because we know that Jesus is the light. That's how the Bible describes Jesus. But actually, we are to reflect the light of Jesus because that's what Jesus told us. And he did that in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. 
And so I want you to read that part with me. It's in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 13. He says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So if Jesus is teaching us, and this is for us today, if Jesus is teaching us, those of us who are his followers, that we are to be the light of the world right now, then there are three questions that I can think of right off the top of my head that we are faced with, and that's what I want to work through. Three questions we are faced with if we're to be the light right now. And the first question is, what does that mean? What should we do as light of the world? If we're the light, then how do we be the light? And how do we shine our light so that other people will be attracted to Jesus or they'll know that we follow Jesus. What's interesting to me is that he uses this imagery, salt and light. Very interesting. And a lot of times we'll break down the properties of each and, you know, what, and all that. But without doing that, I'll just say, hey, salt, for it to uh, have taste, for it to be a preservative, whatever you're using salt for, it's got to have contact. It's right in. It's usually rubbed on something. That's salt. But then light is something completely different. It's something that shows up in darkness. It's like engagement and distinctiveness. So he's using this dual image to teach us that we have to be engaged with the world. We have to rub shoulders. We have to have relationships with the world. But at the same time, and this is the tricky part, we have to be distinctive. We have to be different so that our light shines to the people around us. And that's not just a lifestyle that is also using our mouths to talk about Jesus. That's what God wants us to do, tell people about Jesus. A lot of people quote this uh, famous guy, St. Francis of Assisi, who said, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. To me, that's completely wrong. It's always necessary to use words to preach the gospel. You cannot understand the gospel without words. Gotta have words. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So if sharing the gospel is part of the what we should do, you know, then the next question is why? Why should we be pointing people to Jesus? Why should we tell people the good news? Well, simple answer that we already figured out, because God told us to. You see, we get this mess up. It's not our responsibility to save people. That's on God. It's our responsibility to talk to people about God and then let God figure out the results. Let God figure out what happens 
after that. So the problem is we don't. And so what we really have to grapple with this morning is why? Why don't we talk to non-believers about Jesus? Or, or if you do that regularly, why don't we talk to non-believers about Jesus more? Why? And that's what I want us to grapple with a little bit. And some might say, well, you know, why don't I do it? Well, I'm busy. Well, you know, if that's, if that's your reason, man, you, you need to get your priorities right. That's, that's not good. And, and then some people say, well, you know, it's not so much that I'm busy. It's, it's actually more about, you know, my lifestyle is sort of such a way that it's inconsistent with somebody who ought to be sharing the gospel. I mean, you know, if I shared the gospel with the people around me, if I talked to them about God, they'd be looking at me going, man, you don't live like you follow God. There's all that stuff. And if you're thinking, well, that's why I don't do it because I'm, I'm messed up. My life's inconsistent. It's like, wow, that's ironic because... That's exactly why everybody needs to hear the gospel. I mean, that's why we all need the gospel is that we are all messed up. The gospel is good news for messed up people like us. But I don't think those are the main reasons. I think the main reason that we don't do what God has told us to do, we don't talk to people about Jesus, is because it's awkward or it's uncomfortable. You know, having those conversations just can be awkward. They can be uncomfortable. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Jew first and also to all the rest of us. Could you... I've shared this with you before. A lot of times I'll think, you know, what it'll be like in heaven. And it's not so much the environment because I don't think we can figure that out. I think it'll be beyond our imaginations. But, you know, I'll just think, you know, what will I be thinking that I wish I would have done or what? Could you imagine running into Paul who wrote that in heaven? You know, be like, hey, you're Paul. Hey, Paul. And then Paul would be over here and be like, hey, how you doing? Wow, wasn't it great? Wasn't life great down on earth where we could just share about Jesus to everybody? I mean, God told us to do it. He gave us a job and we got to do that. And then, you know, I'd be over here going, yeah, well, you know, I did that, but I didn't really do that that much. And then, Paul, oh, oh, you didn't do, oh, oh, I get it. Prison, right? You know, because you had a family and you want to support them, the whole prison thing. That's why. And then I'd be like, well, no, it wasn't exact. And then he said, oh, oh, not, pr- oh, I know uh, the beatings. Yeah, I've been beat several times. Yeah. That's rough. I totally, I, I get that, man. The beatings are hard. No, Paul, it really wasn't that. Oh, oh, I, I, I got it. You're talking about the 39 lashes. Yeah, that happened to me five times. I know exactly, yeah. That, that's, 40 is like a death sentence, 39. Yeah, I, I. well, Paul, it wasn't actually the, the, oh, I know, I know. It's the stoning. Yeah, I was stoned. It, I almost died. Well, Paul, it, it wasn't actually that. Either. Oh, 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 I know. The lions. I mean, that, that's a rough way to go. No, that wasn't it either. Paul, 
that, that, that wouldn't either. Then he's like, well, what was it? Well, Paul, you know, talking about God, it's kind of uncomfortable. It's, it's awkward. What do you think Paul's saying to us in that moment? You know, he's like, what? Awkward, uncomfortable, what? What? I thought only professing believers were, you know, he's, he's going to be like, what is going on here? And, and so the question is, why? Why don't we? Think about it. After the resurrection, all the disciples, except for one, died because they would not renounce their faith. All of them. And the one that didn't die was John, and they tried to kill him. They actually boiled him, but they only boiled him like medium well, and somehow he survived it, and he went on to write the last book of the Bible. But all the other guys, they died. And not just the disciples. Stephen, Acts 7. He, he kept telling them, you, my countrymen, we've put to death the Messiah, the Holy One, the Righteous One from God. And they stoned him. And as they were stoning him, he's looking up to heaven and saying, God, help these people. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they're stoning him and they're killing him. And he dies. Even skeptics, like Jesus' younger half-brother James, who didn't believe in Jesus, until the resurrection. And then the resurrection happened and Jesus talked to him and he was like, whoa, it's true. And he becomes a follower of Christ, even becomes kind of a leader in the church. And then finally, he's there in Jerusalem and other people, they grab him and they take him to the, the corner of the temple complex and they throw him off because he will not renounce Jesus. He keeps saying that Jesus is God, and then when he landed in the rock pile below that wall, he was still breathing, and as he was wiggling around and down on the ground, a bunch of people came around him, and they beat him, and they stoned him, and they were shouting, stop talking about Jesus, until he died. So what's going on with us? What, what's happening? Be, because I really think, and I've shared this with you before, that when we get to heaven, I'll be thinking, why didn't I share the gospel more? Do you, do you ever wonder if you'd think that? I, I know that's, that's what I'll be. Why, why, why didn't I share the gospel more? Like I've said, you know, sharing the gospel is the one good thing that we can't do in heaven. I mean, our opportunity is just now during this life. Once death happens, there's no second chances. We have nobody to preach to after that. And, and I'm not discounting awkwardness. I get awkward. Remember before the resurrection, Peter's kind of following Jesus through the trials that he's going through right before they crucify him. You know, and he's, he's near a courtyard somewhere. And a servant girl 
says, hey, you're one of them. You're, you're, you're a Jesus guy. He denies Jesus. He starts cussing to drive home the point. So we get awkwardness. Uh, and I think sometimes we convince ourselves it's more than awkward. Have you ever done this? Because I'll do this sometimes. Well, yeah, it's awkward, but it's more than awkward. It's, you know, strategically, I should keep my powder dry and not say anything about Jesus until something happens in this person's life that they, causes them to really need Jesus. And then when that happens, I will have not have alienated them by already sharing the gospel. I'll have a better relationship with them. And then I can swoop in with the truth and point them to God. Of course, the, the flaw with that thinking is, well, if, if they do come to a point in their life where they sense the need for God more than any other time before, how will they even know that you're a person that could tell them about God if you've never talked to them about Christ before. We got to get over the awkwardness. When we don't open our mouth, the gospel doesn't move forward. Part of why God saved us was to share with others. It's our responsibility, all of us. So, but here's the problem. A lot of times what's happened is we tried it once eight years ago, whenever. And, and it was like a crash and burn. You know, it was like a train wreck. It was like, yeah, I started and I knew what I was going to say, but then they said something else. And then all of a sudden it just ended in this awkward train wreck of a conversation. And, you know, I'm just like, wow, I am not wired up for this. I'm not gifted like other people are. I need to keep my mouth closed or I'm going to mess it up. So we kind of do that. That's not my gift. That's somebody else's. But nowhere in the Bible does it give any of us as believers a pass for not sharing the good news about Jesus. We're all believers. It's all of our jobs. And so the question is how? How exactly do we talk to people about Jesus? I mean, how do you make it so people are tuned in, so they get it, so they don't just shut you off? Well, there's a couple things, and they're very practical. Well, there's actually just one practical way I want to share with you. But before I get there, I just want to say, first of all, we're supposed to be prepared. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 3.15, and that's telling us we have to be ready it's our job. Be prepared. It says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence or gentleness and respect. Be nice while you're doing it. So how to share the God? How can we in real life in just our normal daily routine, share the gospel. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that. It's really a simple message, but we always have to use our mouth. So here, I'll, I'm gonna share a story with somebody that most of you know. He's been coming to Grace for a long time, Dave Melson. He was sitting right down there first hour. Here's his story. 
My name is David Melson. Uh, I come, I've been here at Grace for quite a long time, and I accepted Jesus in November of 1968 before I went in the military. The preacher was preaching. He had a revival, a kind of a dramatic preacher, and he's preaching Revelation, uh, talked about the first service and second coming of Christ. And then the second, that evening, I went back and he preached on hell. I'd never heard a hell preached like that. I, I'll be honest with you, I knew there was a heaven and a hell just like everybody else. I believe that that's put in people's hearts that there's a heaven and a hell. But I needed the, the, the lifesaver and that was Jesus Christ. I don't want to see anybody go to hell and so every chance I get, I try to uh, work a conversation. There's always opportunities to, to share if you're looking for them. I met a guy at a gym once said, you Christians, you're always trying to push your religion on people. I said, well, look at this. If you're driving down a road and there's road construction, isn't it? And there's a hole in the ground. Isn't it really nice that you have signs and warning things? He said, well, yeah, that's all we do. We're just warning what lies ahead if you die without Christ. You know, he said, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Uh, one of the ways I like to use uh, as a starter is I go to the Kroger store and people will see my hat and I wear it on purpose because people will come up, especially around Veterans Day, and uh, they'll say, well, thank you for your service. And I say, thank you for your support. And I say, oh, by the way, I'd like to invite you out to my our church, Grace Community Church, and, and here's, a, here's an invite card. It's got the times on here. And here's a gospel track right here. And I make sure, I said, it's kind of humorous. Uh, but you find out that when you do this, that you're just like the rest of us, you know, and, and, but read the back. A study was done and it, it, it said that only 3% of professing Christians share their faith. Charles Spurgeon said, if you're not concerned about the lost, you're not saved. You know, when we share our faith, you know what we're doing? We're just telling them what God said. We, we are out to see people get saved so they don't have to go, so they don't go to hell. Because once they're there, when they close their eyes for the last time, they'll be standing for an almighty God, and that's where they'll be. And never a chance to get out. If people look for opportunities, they are there. This is, this is really who I am. I, yeah, I lift weights as a welder but I like to share my faith. I like to tell people about Christ for what he's done for me, because I don't deserve it. Dave Mouse, yeah. So Dave Melson shares his faith regularly. I've been with him as he's done that. We've done that together sometimes. Um, it's just a routine that we all need to get into. And, and there's different ways. Dave mentioned handing out tracks. He and I have done that together before. And, you know, at the fair or something, you get, you know, it's easy to get a group of people around you and you can kind of joke with them and, and share that, kind of break the ice, share the gospel. We even had, we started for a few years, had a tent out there and was doing that in just different ways. But it doesn't matter how you do it so much, just so you do it. And there's a lot of things that you can use. Actually, I had my staff uh, get some, some props to use to share the gospel. So you ready? ready? Some of you are not ready for the props. E either was I. But hang in there. Okay, so this is called, uh, and have I used any of these props? No, I have not. 
All right, so this is sharing Jesus. This is the Avangi cube. So it comes in a little box. And uh, let's see if I can get this down. So you can do this. And basically, uh, oh boy. Yeah, where are we here? All right, I messed all this up. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I messed it up. I don't even know how this thing works now. Where'd that happen? All right. Okay, here we go. All right, I fixed it. All right. So here, sorry about that. So, so here we go. This, and now you know why I don't ever use something like this. That's it. All right. So, so then there's this image. It's kind of like origami meets evangelism. You know, really not my thing. But So here we go. You got the guy, the red guy and the black separated from God. And then you have God. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a separation there. And so because of that, uh, what happened? Uh, I don't know. I think I've torn this thing up. Yeah. Yeah, I messed this totally up. All right. Anyway. Oh, there it is. Separate. I am blown. Blo- hey, I did this a lot better first hour. I just want you to know that, okay? Went a lot smoother. All right. Separated. So then Jesus came and died on the cross to pay for our sins. What are the odds? And, uh, and then he was buried in the tomb. You see that? And then, boom, three days later, he rose again. Are you, are you following me? And then, uh, there's the next thing. Oh, then, because he died for us, he's created a bridge that we can cross over and bridges the separation we have with God and uh, boom, and then we get to be with God. Okay, so now I've never used this because I'm afraid, you know, so, you know somebody's going to say, hey, what, what are you doing carrying around a Jesus Rubik's Cube, you know, in your pocket? I mean, what's that all about? And of course, I couldn't get it right anyway. Uh, so sorry about that. So something easier. Here's something. I got a mass confession on this. Okay, we, we all confess. People use the colors to share the gospel. I've never used colors to share the gospel. Even, our, and mostly in children's ministry, even in our own children's ministry, sometimes we have gifted teachers that can use colors to share the gospel. I do not know how to do this. I don't know what the colors mean, but this is a colored glove, and so you can work them through. So basically, it starts with the green, and like I say, I should know. I was actually gonna look this up backstage. I actually found a thing but it was, it was in Spanish, so I couldn't really read it. But anyway, so here's the green thumb, and he's, this is a heart, and he's, he's sad maybe because he's a thumb and not a finger, so he's all by himself. I don't know what that is. And then, but God, one finger, God loves me. And then the black, that's, that's the middle finger. That's the bad finger, so you know something's not going to be good. And so that's the I have sinned part. And then the but Christ died for me part. And then uh, the end is, hey, you can become you know, a Christian and be with God. So I've never used that. I should know how to do that. I do not. But some of you could have done that a lot better. Or you can get even more elaborate. You know, you can go with this. And, and you can just tell them the story. You know, you can say, hey, without God, does your life ever just kind of feel blank? You know, because you don't have God in your life? Well, what you could do is you could find out truth about God. You can find out about religion and, and sort of it'll make sense in the world. It'll sort of give a form of how the world should be. Are you guys all seeing this? Because this is very tricky. All right. But it's only when you accept Jesus that your life turns to living color. All right. You like that? Boom. All right. 
Of course, I would never do that because I would have some guy saying, what you a grown man carrying a Jesus coloring book around in your pocket? You know, so I don't do that one either. So it doesn't matter. You can use these. Actually, somebody came up afterwards, you know, because I'm saying, what are you going to do? Carry a Rubik's Cube in your thing. But then, then somebody came up and said, well, I would like one of those for my desk. Because then somebody would say, what's that? And I'm like, that's a great way. Perfect. So whatever you're doing it, here's the deal. It's way easier if it's somebody that we see regularly or connect with. We should share with everybody, but I'm just saying. It goes a little smoother sometimes if, if you know the person. And uh, fortunately, we can keep it simple. We don't have to know a bunch of stuff. Although that's fine too. It's just how, however you think you can best do it. But it's just share the gospel. And the gospel just means the good news. And, and then maybe when you do that, you could leave them with a track or, or something to read, what we call a track, just a little piece of literature that might that they could look at in the privacy of their own home and sort of think through what you talked about. You know, so it, it all works. But maybe we should just ask, well, what is the gospel? Well, here's how Paul, the guy in heaven that's gonna go, hey, what's up with you guys? Here's how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, and by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received. So here it comes. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. That's until now when he's writing that. But some have fallen asleep. So well, what's the gospel? In its purest form, it's just Christ died for us, and he rose again. He died. Well, why did he die? He died to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose again three days later so we will know he's God. And that he can do that. All right? So, well, what, what's the sin stuff? Well, we've all done things that are wrong. And I could take you to the Bible and we could talk about the Ten Commandments and all that. And, and we'll all know that we've... Long, but you know what? You not only can't keep God's law, you can't even keep your own law. How many times have you done something and you thought, I will never do that? Or you've done it and I will never do that again. We can't keep our own law, let alone God's law. Well, the fact is, God is not only righteous, he's just, which is exactly the way we would want him to be, a God for justice. But justice demands that sin, wrongs, be punished, which is bad news for all of us, and that separates all of us from God because we've all sinned against him. But because God loves us, he created a way. And Jesus came. Was born, it's what we celebrate at Christmas. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And he voluntarily allowed himself to be tortured to death on the cross of Calvary outside the walls of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And that is very good news. If you will put your 
trust your belief in Christ and Christ alone. That's, you know, that's the gospel. You know it. You know the gospel. And so why don't we share that with people? I think the hardest part is the transition. I mean, this to me, tough transition. Hey, uh, hey, I got a cube here. Let me show you some stuff. I mean, just kind of a not, kind of an awkward transition. So if transitions are hardest, how can we do the transition? Do you, are, do you, are you with me? Is it the transition? Is that the hardest part? Okay, you were with me before I said that. Is the transition, you think, like the hardest part? Okay, all right. So how to shift the conversation to a, a spiritual conversation, conversation about Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you a seamless way that you can enter into a spiritual conversation with anybody and you're basically already doing it. So are you ready for it? Yes. Got to be better than that. Are you ready for it? Yes. That's what I like. All right, you're ready. Okay, here it is. Here's the transition. You're talking to somebody you know and you say this. What'd you do last weekend? Or if it's toward the end of the week, you say, what are you going to do this weekend, right? And then what happens? They tell you what they did or what they're going to do or they say nothing, ah, I didn't do anything. Well, however they answer, 90% of the time, what are they gonna do next? They're gonna ask you, what did you do last weekend or what do you plan to do this weekend? And then when you answer, this is the key. So everything, how many have asked somebody what they did last weekend? How many have asked somebody, what you up to this weekend? Yeah, we do this all the time. So, so far, this is easy, right? You're already doing it. All right. So now when they ask you, what did you do? You mentioned church. But don't just say it like this. Yeah, nothing, went to church. Beef it up a little bit, all right? Work with me here, all right? Especially if you serve on Sunday. If you serve on Sunday, lead with that. Go with that. If, say, for example, you're working on the impact team. You're, you're one of our team members there. You, you say something like this. Hey, I welcomed or I served coffee to a thousand people at Grace last Sunday. Or, hey, I helped park 1,200 cars, or if you're on the tech team, you say, hey, I did audio broadcast so that the service, or I ran a camera so that the service is great, can be broadcast live throughout the whole world. You know, or if it's, if it's Grace Kids, hey, I serve on a team with about 100 people who come together on Sundays to give parents a break for one hour so they can connect with others and focus on what God wants for their life. Or if you're more active teaching role, you say, hey, I got to teach kids a new generation, the next generation, right, wrong, and morality. Wow, you did that. Yeah, that's what I did. What'd you do? <laughs> or if it's a safety team. Hey, I provided security for 1,000 to 2,000 people who are trying to make the world a better place. That's what I did. 
Or if it's music. Hey, my friends and I led over a thousand people in worshiping God and we got to sing about what God has done for us. That's how you answer like that. Or, or if you just work on the grounds, which is great. I mean, well, I, I, you know, you mow lawns and say, well, I got to make sure that our building and our grounds, our property looked welcoming for hundreds of people that we will come to, to grace or did come to grace, many of whom will come for the first time and will get their first impression by what they see as they pull into the parking lot. Or if it's properties inside, you know, hey, I helped repair or I helped remodel uh, some, renovate some spaces to help hundreds of people provide a space for them who are serious about wanting to know more about God. You know, lead like that. Does that make sense? That's if you're serving on Sunday. If you're not serving on Sunday, you can do some other stuff. For example, yesterday I was with a bunch of people from our church and we were moving, relocating Heartbeat Hope Medical from Napoleon Road to the Jazzercise building down across from the theater downtown. And so you just say something like that. You know, what'd you do? Well, I met with a team from my church and we came together to move Heartbeat Hope Medical to this new facility downtown so they will be better equipped to meet women's needs in our community. As a matter of fact, all that stuff got moved, but they're still kind of organizing things. So any of you or, or you ladies that wanted to, to go there, you could just show up this week because they're kind of closed for a week while they do all this, you know, and just be there and help get everything situated and, uh, you know, and hey, what are you doing tonight? Well, I'm actually going to go down to Heartbeat Hope Medical and I'm going to help them kind of organize the stuff. They just moved and, uh, you know, we're doing that so we can better serve ladies who are in unwanted pregnancies, facing difficult time, tough, tough point in their life. You see, and by the way, if you ever ask somebody, when you say that, hey, you know, this, this is what I did, you know, what then you can invite them to church. Say, hey, you ought to come to my church. And, and what happens when, when you invite people to church is some people will say, well, I go to another, some people say, I'm not interested. Okay. Some people say, well, I go to another church. A lot of times, you know, for me, when I've asked a little bit more about that other church, it's like it doesn't exist, you know. What do you mean you go to another church? Well, what church? Uh, well, you know, um, you know, it's that church. It's like they don't even know the name. You know, they're just... It's over on the other side of town, you know, or then, you, you know, and I'll just say, well, how often are you able to get there? Well, last time I was there, it was 1984, <laughs> you know, you just, but, or they say, I go every Sunday. It doesn't matter. You can just say, oh, cool. So you go to church. Well, can I ask you a question? How, since you're a church person, how certain are you? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being super certain and 1 being you're not certain at all, how certain are you that you'll be in heaven when you die? You know, as a church person, how certain are you? And then no matter how they answer that, if they say, oh, I, I'm certain, I, I'm an 8, 9, or a 10, I'm certain I'm going to heaven, then you say, how do you know? Based on what? How, how do you know that? And if you hear anything except for, I'm a a gross, gravy-sucking pig, you know, messed-up sinner that God saved by his grace, then you know they don't really understand the gospel. 
Or if they say, well, I'm not confident at all. Then you could say, well, did you know that the Bible says we can be confident? You know that we could know for sure. And then if they say something like, oh, well, yeah, that's not for me. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know the life I've lived. You know, I'm just, God's never going to accept me. Then you say, you know what? What you just said, you're closer to understanding God's message of love than most people who attend church every Sunday because you already know you're jacked up. Some people don't know that because we all have issues. Just get into the conversation kind of and figure it out. This week we're mailing 40,000 flyers. I mean, we save up all year. We're mailing the big mailing to invite people to our Easter... Wow. We're really way ahead of the game. Our Christmas services. And we really have more people come to our Christmas, our main Christmas service, even more than Easter. It's like the number one time to invite people. You know, we send... We send all that. We pay money to do that. You know, our guys work hard to make that happen. And, and really, you know, so 40,000 people are going to get this flyer inviting them to our church. But you know what would be way better than that? If you invited them. Way better than the flyer. It's great to make the connection. And maybe the flyer or a yard sign or a decal on your vehicle, you know, maybe that'll be a transition for you to say, oh, yeah, that's my church. You ought to come. You ought to check it out. That's what we're trying to do. You get my point. We need to talk about Jesus. It's what God's called us to do. Tell him about Jesus. If if you feel like you can't do that, well, then just tell him your story. If you feel like you can't do that, invite him to church where you know they're going to hear the gospel. It's not an option not to do anything. Uh, I'll tell you one last story before I wrap. Proud of two men in our church. Two men in our church were trying to help a man that they worked with. And so they were trying to kind of prop him up. He had issues like all of us, you know, some, some stuff going on in his life. They were trying to help him, help him, help him. They, they got him work, and they're working with him. And then uh, they knew that he didn't, this this man didn't know Jesus. And so one of them actually planned a meal that they could have with this person, that they could be one-on-one. And the whole reason for the meal was just the Jesus talk. It's just, okay, this is, this is where I just get right down to the point. And, and this, this man's done this many times with people, so he's got it and he's got the plan. But before it happened, before it actually took place, this other guy that they were helping took his own life like 10 days ago or something. And so we sometimes go, you know, what's going on there? But, you know, what we do know is as God's telling us, he is not guaranteeing any of us tomorrow. Not the people we're trying to reach and not us. He's not guaranteeing us that we'll have another day on this earth. Our chances to share with Jesus will be gone the minute we draw our last breath. I'm proud of these guys. They were in the battle, making things happen. They came up with a plan. Didn't work the way they wanted. But that's God's stuff then. We're just faithful to what God's called us to do. I was at a 
funeral yesterday for Sandy Sorg. And uh, let, let me just tell you, to me, there's nothing more different than being at a funeral for a believer who you know knows Christ and being at a funeral for a non-believer. To me, it's like night and day. Here you have grief. You know, it, it's hard. But there's also hope and strength and love and life. Here you have grief paired with devastation and hopelessness. It's completely different. God has called us to make an impact. We try to make that easy on you. I mean, we have invite cards that are out at the tables at the cafe. You can grab on your way out or the information table. And it's just, if you ever do talk to somebody, say, well, yeah, you gotta come. Check out our church. Here's the times. Here's the location, times, some information. Or our website, couldn't be easier, ohiograce.com. Let's stand together. But God wants us to talk. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And even though we've all sinned against you, Lord, most of us here, we've admitted that. And we've put our faith, our trust in Jesus, your son, and him alone for our salvation. And then graciously, even though we don't deserve it, you have saved us from the punishment we deserve, separation from you forever in hell. So God, we, we can't be more thankful to you for that. But Father, we also realize that even now, even when we're kind of talking about internal things today, that we have new people here, people and people maybe who have been around for a while who don't really know you. Father, we would ask that you continue to draw them closer to yourself, that you help them to discover truth, and help us to help them, Lord, and that they would soon put their faith in your son. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for the greatest gift, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us. See you next week as we start our Christmas series. The light has come.